It's Wednesday, April 10th, and today I want to share three good news stories with you. Can I be real for a minute? Bad news is all around us, and that's not fake. We're surrounded by so many difficult problems, but bad news spreads like wildfire, and it dominates the headlines in a way that can make you think that good isn't even happening anywhere in the world right now. Today I want to share three good news stories with you. The first, ironically, is about the Bloods and Crips. Another is about Magic Johnson. And the last is about some great criminal justice reforms that just passed in Cincinnati. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The Breakdown. The Breakdown. In the shadows of the recent murder of Nipsey Hussle, some powerful stories of truces and unity and peace between rival gangs are coming out of Los Angeles, and they'll probably never get the true publicity they deserve. This past weekend, following several private meetings where they mourned and dreamed together, dozens of gangs from all over Los Angeles and really from all over California came together to talk about what it would look like if they ever really started working with one another. It wasn't just Bloods and Crips either, but dozens of different segments and factions of rival gangs that have not been in the same room at the same time in years. They talked about the power of owning and developing property in their neighborhoods. They talked about the power of entrepreneurship that Nipsey Hussle believed in so much. They talked about smart ways of pooling together their money and resources. And they talked about how they owed it to the young people of their communities to find ways to stop the violence. And after they spent this time together building and dreaming and networking among themselves, they came together for a unity march. And maybe you're thinking that marches are old school and played out, But to see men and women that normally can't even stand being on the same block with one another, to see them stand side by side and march through South Central Los Angeles was a powerful thing. Obviously, the true work begins now, but the true work also needs a good start. And for them, this week was a great start. All week this week, young brothers in prison have been sending encouraging videos about the power of unity and how they would have understood it better before they found themselves in prison. I want to play the audio from one of these videos right now. Break the break the breakdown. Breakdown. Top of the morning. It's just something I wanted to address real quick. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't like really appreciate the unity walk yesterday. Don't like peace and all that. And I understand. When I was out there, I didn't understand it either. They couldn't talk peace with me. They tried, and I was like, nigga, this schoolyard. You can't find a homie in my generation. That, either, that put in more work than me. You may find one or two that put in as much as me, but you ain't gonna find none that put in more than me. And I'm here to tell you that shit was worthless, bro. When they tried to peace, I don't want a peace. Look where I'm at. This shit ain't cool, bro. Crazy part is this, you go this way to me, two cells that way, you got 60s. You go two cells this way, you got bloods. We wait for each other when we walk the child, bro. We united in here. Nigga might not hang with a nigga every day, but we know we got each other back. And I don't knock y'all out there that don't, that ain't with the peace, but don't get on people that are. Some people just tired of this shit, bro. I was moved by this video 
not only because this young brother admits that he was too hard-headed on the outside of prison to see the value of peace, but also because he describes a level of unity inside of the prisons that we don't get to hear very much about. Now, you can't see it. It's on my Instagram right now. But this is a young man who filmed a video from inside of his prison jail cell. And the part where he says nobody, quote, put in more work than him, right there he's talking about the crime that he did in the streets. It was powerful to hear this young man say that nobody did that more than him. But do you hear what he called it now? And I'm here to tell you that shit was worthless, bro. Worthless. And sometimes it takes a massive change in your position in life for you to really be able to see things for what they are. Which leads me to my second good news story. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Last night, before their final game of the season, NBA legend Magic Johnson abruptly resigned from his role as president of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm not even here to talk about basketball. I'm not even here to talk about how he did it because it appeared he resigned in an impromptu press conference before he even told anybody in the organization. I'm not here to debate whether or not he was right or wrong for doing it that way, because I hear a lot of people saying he should have done it on a different day, at a different time, that he should have told the staff first. And listen, I get all of that. But I'm seeing and hearing something different here. I saw and heard a man who knew his limits simply say that he changed his mind and wanted to go in a different direction. And maybe his timing was off, but this was simply as far as he was willing to go. And I want to talk about some of the beautiful and insightful sentiments that he expressed that caused him to just say, you know what, this isn't for me. Now, Magic spoke to reporters for an over an hour, but I want to play a quick clip from him with ESPN's Rachel Nichols. Break it down. So I just had to get back to being me. You look so happy right now. I am happy. Is this, do you feel like a weight's been lifted off you? Yeah, because, you know, you you never want to let my sister down. Right. Or the Laker organization down. But at the same time, I was letting myself down by not being Magic Johnson. Right. So this was a, a, a decision I had to make between the last couple of days, but today it was just that, you know what, I gotta go back and I'm gonna be happier if I'm just back to being Magic Johnson, doing the things I love to do. Do you think you owed it to Jeannie to tell her first? Uh, I wouldn't be here doing this. Cause I know her, she would've, we would've cried and I would've felt guilty and I, and I would've stayed. So you told us first because you didn't want her to talk you out of it. Exactly. I'm sharing this as good news because what we saw is a man who found himself in a position he thought he wanted. He thought he wanted to be the president of the Los Angeles Lakers. But now we hear him finally admit that it's just not good for him. Magic also talked about how he just couldn't stand the mean-spirited and harsh nature of the NBA or being an NBA insider. He couldn't stand the whispering. He couldn't stand having the fire and trade players and coaches. He was frustrated because he had been penalized by the NBA when he complimented the success of other players and their accomplishments. And he finally just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'd rather be with my family, be a good person, 
And this job doesn't really allow me to be myself the way I want to be myself. Now, most of us don't have the luxury of quitting jobs that we don't like in the way that Magic Johnson just did. But I think there's a lesson for all of us here. Trust your instincts. And if you know that something is not for you, find a way out of it if you can. And that's what Magic did. Now, some people are calling it flaky, but I'll be real with you. I found it courageous because he's the one that's really going to pay a public price for taking the job and then leaving it after two years. But when I saw that press conference and saw him speak to reporters, I heard him say over and over again, it was a weight off of his shoulders and he just wanted to go in a different direction. And sometimes when you hear that voice or you feel that pressure, listen to it. And that leads me to my third and the final break, good the news break, story break, for today. The break, the breakdown, breakdown. On Monday, the City Council of Cincinnati announced that they were doing away with cash bail for dozens of nonviolent misdemeanors. For those of you that may not know what that means, let me break it down. Break it down. The United States is one of the only countries in the entire world that requires people who have not been found guilty of a crime to pay money, sometimes thousands, even tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars to get out of jail until they go to trial. We call that cash bail. And every year, millions and millions of people languish in America's jails, not because they've been found guilty of a crime, but because they simply don't have the money to pay their bail. It's the criminalization of poverty. I have seen men and women and children literally spend as long as six or seven years in jail without ever being convicted of a crime simply because they could not afford their bail, only for those same men, women, and children to eventually be released once they were either found not guilty or the charges were dropped. Perhaps the most well-known case that we often hear about is that of a young man named Khalif Browder, who at the age of 16 was falsely accused of stealing a backpack, then spent three years inside of Rikers Island, the largest jail in New York City, simply because his family could not afford his bail. Again, this young brother was never even convicted of a crime, but spent three years inside of one of the hardest jails in the world. While he was there, he was brutally beaten and regularly forced into solitary confinement. And after his release, his spirit was broken, and he never really recovered, and eventually took his own life. And in many ways, the system of cash bail killed Khalif. In some counties across the United States, 80% of the people in jail have not even been found guilty. They just can't afford their bail, and that's not okay. And what happens is that prosecutors knowing that millions of people who are in jail every year can't afford that bail, the prosecutors will often try to coerce them into pleading guilty for crimes they didn't commit, sometimes offering to release them if they just plead guilty. But then they'll have a criminal record for the rest of their lives, not because they were guilty of a crime, but just because they wanted to get out of jail and could not afford their bail. And when I try to explain this system, the people across the world. They literally struggle to even understand what I'm talking about because most of the world 
doesn't have this system of cash bail. I got a chance to speak to one of the leaders of the Cincinnati City Council, P.J. Sittenfeld, and he was quick to tell me that he knew full well that the new measure they passed to reduce the number of charges that have cash bail, he knew it wasn't enough. It's just for most nonviolent misdemeanors, and they are right. Nobody should be in jail or have to pay cash bail for a nonviolent misdemeanor. But what the city councilman told me was that he knew other cities are closer to doing away with cash bail altogether, which I love. In some cities and even states are considering doing away with cash bail for all crimes. But the city councilman was right. It was a positive step in the right direction for a city that honestly is not even known for criminal justice reform. And I agree. Step by step, we need to see these types of reforms across the country, city by city, state by state, until we drastically change our systems of mass incarceration. Listen, I hope that you enjoyed hearing some good news today. And I'm going to try to share good news stories that come across my desk more often so that we have something in our hearts to balance out all the ugliness that we see daily. The break, the break, break, the, the, the breakdown. Thank you all so much for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Our next big goal is to get 100,000 subscribers, and we won't get there without you. Have you left a review yet? If not, Please leave your best review when you get time. Of course, thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star, whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so much. And listen, if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcript for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community at thenorthstar.com. There, we not only have all of our podcasts, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers in the world. Lastly, thank you to our lead producer and podcasting director, Willis, for putting in the hard work to put out each and every episode. He leads a wonderful team of musicians, DJs, rappers, and engineers who make all of the music and transitions for each and every episode. And we've gotten so much great feedback from you all about how much you love the music how much you love the production of the show. And all of that music is original. Listen, we'll be right back here tomorrow for the next episode of The Breakdown. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Take care, everybody.